0: Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and as always, I'm joined by Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. So last week, I kind of threw a curveball in our discussion.
1: Yeah, you did. Yeah, thanks for the heads <laughs> you're, up. You're
0: welcome. But you all said it was such a great question, it so that made me question. feel good. Um, So, you know, I've said this a bunch of times before. You probably want to pause and go listen to last week's episode if you didn't, because this is kind of if if you didn't catch last week's because this is kind of a part two discussion. We're on number 11 on the doctrinal statement that we hold here at Desert Springs Community Church. Um, So just as we were talking about salvation by grace, uh, Rich was talking about how when we're born, we are born um alienated from god alienated from god outside of the garden was kind of a term that was used Mm -hmm. and for some reason on my heart i the question was well what about babies that die whether they die in the womb or they're born and they die or you know whatever the case may be
2: obviously some are born with uh you know mental handicaps yes uh, By which you know they're never going to be able to to understand grace or understand that the truth of the cross. And it's a great question. And I wish that there was uh, you know, it'd be great if there's just one verse that you could go to. Um, but I think when you look at what the Bible tells us, uh sometimes related to some other things, but you you make the practical application. So one of the things that I like to look at is when the Lord was taking Judah into captivity, one of God's great arguments against them was the fact that they were burning sacrifices to other God and horrifically, they were burning children. Uh, They did this under King Manasseh. And Jeremiah, quoting God here in Jeremiah 19, 4 says, because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known. And because they had filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing that I have never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. And then he starts talking about the, the valley of slaughter. And so there, God talks about these children who have been sacrificed as innocent. And so God's view of them, I think, is that since they did not have, they were not old enough to understand the the sense of their own sin and identity, that in God's eyes, uh, they were innocent. I think that seems to be con- confirmed when Jesus talks about heaven is made up of little ones like this, right? A child It belongs to the kingdom of God. There's a theological argument that I personally really like. It's a little detailed, but we've been in the book of Romans and we've talked about how uh, all have sinned, which is personal sin. And if you look at Romans 1, 2, and 3, he's talking about personal sin later on in chapter five, he gets to that point that, yeah, we're all out of the garden. We're born alienated from God. But when Paul, Paul is making his argument why we have to be justified by grace, why we have become alienated. He doesn't use the idea that we're born out of the garden. He okay. uses the idea of personal sin. In fact, the he starts that whole argument back in Romans 1 with the idea that the things that they knew about God and were evident to them, they rejected that. And so there's that knowledge And that point is often called the age of accountability. I'm not exactly sure where that terminology came from. But there does seem to be a point in time, and I think it probably depends upon the person, where we begin to have knowledge of our sin, knowledge that there's a God who created, and we now reject that, and we begin to act, and now we are liable for our sin. And that prior to that, an infant someone with severe mental uh, handicap pieces is not able to understand that there is grace in in the atonement of Jesus to provide for them. I also look at in the book of of Revelation, because we're in that study right now, that many times we're told about how we are going to see people from every kindred and tribe mm, and yeah. tongue, and so I, I truly believe that um, that there is special grace for those who are not able to come of age or have the mental capacity to be able to understand their own sin, or the idea that God has created and put within them a conscience, and that under the grace of Christ that they are provided for and that they will be in heaven. As I mentioned last time, you know, Tammy and I lost a baby at about uh, that 12, 13 week mark. I I truly believe that when I get home, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to meet a child Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I look forward to that day.
1: Yeah, this is kind of one of those topics where you wish there was a a verse that spoke to exactly what this question is. But I I agree with your argument, Steve. I think, you know, when you look at Romans, I mean, even the verse we quoted, uh, I can't remember if we quoted it last episode or not, but death spread to all men. Why? Well, because all sinned. Right. And it, it does seem like that's the main argument. It's our we are personally held accountable because of our own personal rebellion against God. And so if somebody is born and lives and does not have, uh, for whatever reason, the capacity to rebel against God, right, it seems to me that God is going to save them by his grace.
0: Well, thank you both so much for taking time. Um, You know, I would just encourage anyone listening, if you're struggling with this send us an email or whatever, you know, whatever church you attend, talk to someone about it. You know, don't, don't live with yeah, that. We,
2: absolutely. Because it, it is hard. It's very emotional. I mean, obviously uh, we love children uh, and I, I've been blessed to, be, to grow up around and to be around folks who have had some pretty extreme um, mental deficiencies and and yet they're such wonderful people and uh, i would love to talk more about it might even have some resources that i could recommend yeah uh but i i truly believe y- you can also make the argument for the character of god mm-hmm. uh that that those and i think that's what you're seeing in jeremiah chapter 19 that they're the innocent uh, that are being sacrificed yeah uh so
0: Yeah. Well, thank you both again. So there was something though that, that you said, Steve, as you were talking about the, well, both of you touched on it, the being held personally accountable. So when you think of that, when we think of our own sin, our own struggles, all those things, what role does works play in the idea of grace in
1: salvation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Cause we spent a lot of time last episode, I think talking about how works does not save us. Right. so, so does that mean I can just live however I want and just go, I mean, what is, I guess these, all these kinds of questions get, will come got up, my right? Get out of hell free That's car, right. like got got my, just car. insurance. Yes. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, no, I think is the answer to that question. I, I, you know, when I, what's what's interesting is uh steve and i were talking about this um off the air there's a the Two passages that we quote in our doctrinal statement, Ephesians Mm -hmm. 2 and Titus 3. One of the things that's interesting about that is that they they both have something in common. One is that they say that salvation is by grace. And the other thing they have in common is immediately after they say that, they say that God has made us for good works. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: So you got Ephesians 2, 8, 9, not a result of works lest any man should boast. Verse 10, 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works good works so i think when you you think about good works it really kind of comes down to the motivation do we do are we doing good works in order to be saved to be accepted by god well that will never bring salvation salvation is by grace it's a gift but if we do it because we've received the gift because of god's grace to us that i think should be that response that we have we want to honor him we want to let others know we want to let our light shine we want to live in good works that's that's we've been made into a new creature that's what the holy spirit
1: is going to be doing in our heart i I think about uh like galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. right this is uh, the, the fruit of the spirit is I'm not going to be able to quote them now. I'm under pressure. Love, joy, joy peace, peace, patience. Kindness,
0: goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control.
1: Yes. Right? I, it seems like I talked Wait, over you and we might jo- have skipped one. Love,
0: love, joy, joy peace,
1: peace kind- patience.
0: Is patience a goodness? Producer? Yes, long Clearly suffering. Clearly, that's the one I need to work. Yes, on, yes.
1: <laughs> but my point is that that is an agricultural metaphor that these good character traits are the results mm-hmm. of the internal transformation of the Holy Spirit in the person's life once they have committed themselves to follow after Jesus. The other one that I was thinking of Steve is is the. The born again motif from John mm-hmm. three, right? Yes. Jesus says you have to be born again. And this sort of signifies an entire remaking of the person. And yes. I think that part of what that means for the person to be remade, or you could even go to 2 Corinthians 5 for the same thing. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Part of what that means is that God transforms us in a complete whole person way so that our character, our desires, and et cetera, are increasingly shaped and bent towards the likeness of Christ. So good works then is the evidence, the results. There's so many different ways we could say it. the fruit of God's work in my life. And I am, I, you know, I have a desire now. God has saved me by his grace. And now I have a new kind of desire in the old before I was saved. My desires were bent towards things like making myself happy, seeking pleasure and all those sorts of things. But now that I've been born again, I'm made into a child of God. Now my desires now are towards serving others and loving God with everything that I am and doing the things that God would have me do.
2: Well, you think of that scripture that we've quoted a few times, and at some point we'll get into because it has the, uh, the predestination word in it. <laughs> but he says, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. Right his determination in our life is that we would become like yes. Jesus. Jesus was a man characterized by good works. I mean, that was his entire life. He served others and he cared for the the, the poor. He cared for the hurting, uh, for those who were kind of the the outcast of society, I mean, he just had a special place in his heart. He was he was characterized by good works. And if and if for those who are believers, God's plan for us and purpose for us is that we would become like Jesus, then good works have got to be a part of our life. But again, it goes back to motivation. Do we do that in order to gain God's favor? No. Do we do it because we have his favor and we want to honor him? absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was meeting with someone a few weeks ago and I kind of asked them that kind of classic question, I guess, of, you know, if you were to die and go to heaven and stand before God, why would you say, you know, let me in basically. And the person responded, well, I've been a good person. I'm a good person. <laughs> yep. And it's, so we, we just talked about this, like the difference of doing good things because you quote unquote have to do them or doing good things because it's truly an outpouring of your heart. But then there's that balance because we do still sin. Like we still right. mess up, but um, I mean, I don't know the longer that I've been a Christian, the more that I know Jesus, the more that I want to do these things. Like it only feels yeah. natural. But like I said, I still, I still mess up. I still sin. I'm not, I am not perfect at this, but I just feel like, I don't know. In some ways this feels like such a simple concept. And then in other ways I know it can get really confusing for people. So
2: because again, what is our natural bent as humans? Well, we want to fix the problem. And sadly religion all over the place pushes us towards this idea of works and you, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you've, And grace says, no, there's nothing you've done. It's a free gift. Well, again, the flesh then wants to jump in and say, well, I'll take that. And I'm just going to keep doing well. Mm -hmm. That's a little oxymoronic because if I truly have put my faith in Jesus, I believe that he is the son of God, that he is my savior. And I put my trust in him. And that moment of salvation, there's a change that takes place in my heart and my life. And it's going to be played out for, for the rest of my time here on the earth as he is working to make me more and more like Jesus. And so more and more good works ought to become a part of my life, not trying to earn his favor. I have his favor, but trying to now become more and more like him.
0: Yes. So you mentioned that free gift. So when, so when we think of that, you know, I grew up and maybe many who have been in the church for a long time, you think of the sinner's prayer Mm. or you think of the, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, I see that hand, you know, whatever. So, (laughs) so, but in all seriousness, how does someone accept this grace?
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, I think, you know, the sinner's prayer thing, it's interesting because uh we can make mistakes on all sides of that question. Um mm-hmm. you know, so you know, the one way to ask it is, do I have to pray the sinner's prayer to be saved? Like is there something I have to like I have to do the magical incantation uh or
2: abracadabra? Yeah. Yeah. I a gazam. But then <laughs> we
1: could also make the mistake uh, on the other side, so well, because I said a certain prayer, therefore I am saved, right? And I think both of those are mistakes. So I I guess the answer is no, there isn't. So where do you think, where does that come from, Steve? Why do people say you have to pray the sinner's prayer and there's some things you have to do and say. So
0: when you say sinner's prayer, are you talking about a literal prayer? I was thinking of it as more of a general.
2: Pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me, whatever it is. But are you referring
0: to like a specific thing?
2: Well, I, I. Typically, the prayer that is led by somebody right. in the pulpit. Yes. Right. And really, I, it probably goes back before him, uh, but the one who made it so apparent was Billy Graham. Right. Right. So right. he would, he, and of course, he's a very gifted evangelist. Yep. And so he would get people to that point, and it's, if you want to accept Jesus, why don't you just pray this prayer with me? And I understand what he was doing because he's trying to help people who already... Are feeling the weight of their sin and wanting to to place their trust in, in Jesus into this and just help them in that sense in their own heart, kind of over the line. The problem is nowhere in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture are we told to pray a prayer. Uh, it's about faith.
1: Yeah, mm. it is
2: about faith. It is believe in me. He who believes in me, right. John three sixteen. 16, God's whosoever whosoever believes in him. So it, it, it is about faith. How do we express that faith? And especially towards God, it's often in prayer. Sure. So there's nothing wrong with the prayer. Right. And asking the Lord Jesus to come into your life, to, to take away your sin. I think for most of us, that's that normal way that we would express faith. But somebody can say, the exact perfect words, but it's not out of heart of faith. It's a heart of I'm doing this, right? right. right. My confidence now is not in Jesus,
1: but the fact that I pray to prayer, we are not trusting in Jesus. Right. And I, I guess that's <laughs> the point is that faith takes place in the heart and mind, not mm-hmm. in the spoken word. And so, I, I mean, I have encouraged people to pray out loud to express their faith toward God. So I'm, I'm certainly not in opposition to praying a prayer, uh, to, in the process of putting one's faith in Christ to pray and say that out loud and say certain things to God about their faith. I'm, I'm in favor of those sorts of things. I guess what worries me is. Like I said, to start this conversation, one is that people think there's some sort of magical incantation. It's a formula. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other is people think that because they said the formula, they must be saved. Yes. And I don't want people to think that just because they prayed a certain prayer, they are saved. And I also don't want to think people to think that just because they didn't say things a certain way, they're not saved. Is that making sense Sarah? Yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say, if you're listening and you're questioning Am I really saved? Have I placed my faith in Jesus? Talk to someone, please, please talk to someone, whether it's us here at Desert Springs or someone at your church or wherever. And if you
2: were to come and talk to me, here's exactly what I would do. See, Now you get it right here, right here. What, what I would do is I say, okay, so what makes a person saved? And I'd probably run them back to that verse that we talked about. Not that long ago in, in John 20, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who God ordained to come and be our sacrifice and that he is the son of God. I think there's those two parts, who he is, what he did, and that he did it for me. And that is what my trust is in. That is what my confidence is in. It is not in who I am. Salvation is believing in Jesus alone for our relationship with God. And So often, again, how do we express faith? It's through prayer. But truly, faith is born in the heart. So my question would be, have you done that? Have you come to that point where you know you cannot save yourself and that Jesus died for you, and as a son of God, you want him to come into your life and forgive you and to be that source of salvation to you? That's what salvation is. And if you're not sure that you've done that, well, you can do that right now. You can you can express that confidence. And again, is it expressing the faith? No. But if that's what you believe, I think it's the expression of it, usually in an audible way, and I think even better with somebody else there that helps drive that into our heart, that this is that moment when we came to that point of trusting in jesus alone that we're no longer trusting in ourselves and so that's what i would do in fact just had the privilege of doing that with uh, someone about 10 days ago and they knew all about jesus and his death on the cross but they Mm -hmm. were never they weren't quite sure if they had Put their trust in him. I said, Well, we could settle that now. And it was a wonderful experience. And the truth is, I don't know. He may have been saved prior to that. If not, I truly believe, but I'm on the outside, that in that moment, he expressed his faith and his trust in Jesus. And so, again, on the outside, all I can do is see what I can see about someone else's heart, but God knows their heart. And that's where we trust. And that when they have come to that point where they know that Jesus, as the Son of God, died for their sins, and that's what their confidence is in their relationship with him, they have eternal life.
0: Yes. Well, Rich, I know there was one other thing you wanted to get to, but we're running out of time. We're going to have to
1: save all of these many, many (laughs) questions. And I've thought of like six other things, too, since we've been talking.
0: Well, I was just (laughs) going to say we wanted to circle back to the atonement, which we had done some episodes on this in the fall. I will link those episodes in the show notes. But... I mean, Rich, is there like a 30 second,
1: you <laughs> <No>. know, <laughs> there isn't a 30 second version. Well, the,
0: the simple thing is yeah. that it is for everyone. Right. I Jesus, guess that's death.
1: Yeah. That, that's one thing that I would emphasize. Right. If you know, for, which
0: I think we covered.
1: We seriously we, in our we episodes, we did. Yeah. And, and I guess it would just be a point of emphasis. And I'm sure we'll come back and do a couple of episodes on this stuff later on. Uh, but yeah, I think it seems clear to me that when, you know, when I read scripture, that there are no exceptions when we say that God wants everyone to be saved. I'm thinking of first Timothy two, four, uh, 2 Peter three, nine, God, God wants you to be saved and he wants to save. If, if you're not already saved, if you're not already belong to God, if you're not already a child of his through faith in Jesus, God wants to save you. He has searching for you and he wants you to, uh, to, experience the abundant life, eternal life that Jesus came to give and put you on a new course. He wants you to be born again and uh, to begin a brand new kind of life of following Jesus uh, with your whole heart and everything you do and becoming more and more like him. And there are no exceptions to that.
0: I love that. What a great way to end this episode in this little two-part series we did. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Make sure you join us. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, Leave a review and visit dscchurch.com for more information.